Hello and welcome into another edition of the Todd Pod. I am Todd Lizenby, joined today by Tyler Neal. We're going to talk some OU basketball. First, though, a quick word of thanks to our sponsors, MidFirst Bank, the Laser Light Skin Clinic, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Fire Lake Casino, and Oklahoma Ford Dealers. Don't forget to drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford Dealers today. For all the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs, Ford is the best in Oklahoma. Tyler Neal. Oklahoma basketball player, 2010 to 2014. Did I get that right, Tyler? That's exactly right. Look at me doing my research. Putnam City <laughs> West grad, did I get that right? That's also right. Two for two. Okay. I don't know where you went to middle school, though, so I'm going to have to end it there. Uh, but Tyler Neal is my <laughs> guest today. And Tyler, we're at that time of year. I mean, we've got Bedlam coming up as we record this before Bedlam. Um, yep. it's good. This will air after Bedlam, but we recorded this before Bedlam. So as we're sitting here, we've got Bedlam coming up, but we're also right on the doorstep of college basketball season. And I guess my first question to you is now that you are doing your new gig, which I didn't mention the franchise afternoon show, you can hear Tyler uh, on one Oh seven, seven, the franchise every day from three to six. But now as you're doing your new gig, has basketball season, college basketball season snuck up on you more than it usually does? I think so. Uh, that's an interesting question. I think so. The it's funny, like preparing. I, I was jumping in at the franchise as as football preseason was was kind of wrapping up finally, and I'd kind of gotten the feel from from you and others, like you know the the professionalism that it takes to to carry a radio show through the summer months, right? And so I got to jump in, you know, full time when all that was getting pretty hot and heavy and made it pretty easy on me. So then all of a sudden, bam, you're, you're into college football, you're in the NFL and yeah, absolutely. Thunder and Thunder training camp media days was like, Whoa, where, where'd that come from? And then now obviously college basketball for sure. I think that's definitely been the case. When you played basketball at Oklahoma, I, I would imagine you followed the football team. Did you absolutely, did you, did you find yourself kind of getting lost in I guess my question is, did the basketball season sneak up on you? Did you kind of lose interest in football because basketball started to roll in? Like, how did you experience question. it as a player? So I'm probably, a, you know, the answer I'm going to give to this would be vastly different than any of my teammates um, at Oklahoma specifically, probably if I had to guess. And that's because I grew up around here, like we talked about, I uh, was a huge OU football fan growing up, as much as basketball honestly. Um, you know, Bob Stoops championship winning year, I was, I was eight, nine years old. So just at the, you know, the onset of true sports fandom right there for me. Uh, so that obviously took a pretty big place in my sports loving heart early, but it's hard to say that the college basketball season sneaks up on you when you're playing and going through preseason and off season and all that stuff. Cause it's such a daily grind at this point for those guys now here they are just a couple days out so they're into full-on kind of game week practice mode but you know last week and, and prior nothing nothing sneaks up on you about the season because you're you're, <laughs> you're working towards it uh daily in a way that's hard you, you know your muscles and, and your bones are it's uh they won't let you won't let it sneak up on you it's hard to hard to forget that it's coming up well, this is a big season for Oklahoma basketball, which we're going to talk a lot about today. Sooners 15 and 17 last year, 5 and 13 in conference. 
Obviously not an acceptable year for Porter Moser for that program for Oklahoma fans. Uh, And it's hard to get better in a conference as good as the Big 12. So I guess my first question to you, Tyler, is looking back on last year's team, you can kind of take one of two views of it, which is, you know, massive disappointment, really, really bad. Or you can also say, man, there were some times where Oklahoma was really close to winning some games where the season could look totally different if three or four of those go their way. So how do you kind of view last season in the rear view now? Yeah, you know, it's one of those years to look at the record. It's really, um, I mean, that's what you have to do, right? But it's 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 really rough if you do that. Five and 13 in the conference, just, just not good enough at, at Oklahoma. Um, there's only a couple schools out there that, you know, that anybody wouldn't be totally disappointed with. Uh, and, and Oklahoma's definitely not even close to one of those, given the history of, of the athletics program in general, but, but the basketball program. Um, and you know, Porter hasn't seen that yet, but I, I think to, to, to look at the record alone is, is probably doing a little bit of a disservice. The funny thing that happened smack dab in the, in the middle of this, this last season for Oklahoma and, and Porter's guys there was that win against Alabama and, you know, number one at the time, awesome atmosphere, shots fallen for Oklahoma. Uh, pretty down game for Alabama if we want to, you know, if we want to admit that uh, from a from a shooting standpoint, which that's that's the the bounce of the ball in basketball sometimes, right? You're going to beat somebody just because it was going in for you and it wasn't for them. But I, I I almost feel like that added in a way probably to not internally to the to the gut, you know, Porter and the staff and the, the players in the program, but but externally the fan base it, it probably added in a way to the frustration of you know, not, not bringing your best against Oklahoma state, uh, you know, not, not beating the, the other teams in and around uh, where Oklahoma were, was in the rankings uh, as often as they needed to, to have that conference record up closer to a 500 record and probably, you know, more like a tournament resume. And it, it, that Alabama result, just, I feel like fans and and rightfully so kind of kept hanging on that. It's like, okay, you, you you struck a chord there. You got a tune out of your guys in that one, Porter. Where was that at for the the other two months? Uh, you know when games were were being lost. So that that's a really that's a funny thing about a long basketball season, right? Compared to football, where there's only 12, 11, 12 regular season games. There's so many results, and and some of them can kind of skew your uh your your feelings about the way the the conference slate went. That wasn't a conference game, obviously. But I think another frustrating aspect is probably how was that not, regardless of how Alabama played relative to their ceiling, how was that not a a springboard, a, a confidence boost that led to more sustained, uh, sound, solid play? And when I say that, we'll, we'll probably get into some of this, but you know, starting to cut down on turnovers, especially away from home. Too many times this team put themselves in bad positions in front of away crowds just based off of how they were playing, at, you know, not tying together strong possessions, getting good shots. And you just didn't see that improvement really ever happen. And that's that's how they ended up with the record that they did. Well, and I, I think you take that Alabama game, you throw in the fact that they were really close to winning at Kansas last year. Yep. Uh, on top of that, they went and won big at Iowa State, you know, when Iowa State was playing really well at yep. the end of the year as well. So 
there were there were plenty of times where you could see it. I think the argument against, you know, saying why didn't they springboard, the argument against it is probably, and it's not a bad argument, the Big 12 is really hard to springboard it because there are just yeah. so many challenges game in and game out. So I, I understand it, but you're you're right in the first thing you said, which is 5-13 and is unacceptable. It's got to be better this year. So you look at last year's team, and I think it's four of the top five scorers are gone from last year's team, either graduated yep. or, in Jacob Grove's case, transferred. So now you've got a bunch of new faces coming in. So, Tyler, what are some of the – or who are some of the new faces this year that are going to have to be big for Oklahoma if they're going to improve from 5-13 and 13 last year? Yeah, you know – well, interestingly, not so much a new face, you know, all this talk of, of the portal and and uh, the NIL, you know, situation that it takes to be able to bring guys in or keep guys. We'll talk about, you know, Yuzan and Owe, I'm sure. But on and on, Porter, uh, b- both privately, once or twice to me, and 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 publicly now lately at the, at the media days recently, has talked about Luke Northweather. That's a face, uh, you know, 6'11 kid from – from Missouri state player of the year, really good shooter, maybe the best one on the team Um, just can shoot the cover off of it. They're adding him in and he's apparently pushing for a a starting position there in an off season where they bring in John Hughley. I don't know if those two, you know, might, might play together. Uh, You know, Northweather's shooting ability and and ability to space the floor would definitely lend itself maybe to some of that. Uh, But that's one. Um, Javian McCollum is is going to be one that really really replaces the Sherfield minutes and role, uh, but is a much different player, more of a playmaker. Uh, definitely can shoot the ball, but but much more dynamic off the dribble. Uh, and and there's more, but the last one I would mention is Latre Darthur, big time shooter, really really good defender, and has played a lot of basketball at a high level there in the in the Utah Valley Conference. And uh, went to media days for this team. Porter likes what he's seen enough out of him early on that he took him to media days. I think that was probably because uh, I think it was McCollum was feeling a little under the weather that way or dealing with a, a, a concussion protocol. But nonetheless, when you know when you look back and it's it's Milos Uzan and it's Latre Darthur representing Oklahoma, that I think that tells you that he's going to play a pretty significant role as far as leadership and just being a veteran presence. Uh, guarding the ball. We know there are a lot of very strong uh, ball handling, decision-making, scoring guards in the Big 12, regardless of if there's a lot of returning production or not. They just find their way into this league somehow. All right, Los Yuzan, Otega Owe, guys you mentioned, coming back for Oklahoma, huge that, first of all, Porter Moser kept those guys in the yes. age of transfer portal. But uh, I guess now that they are back, now that they will be featured this year, you would think both in, st- in the starting lineup. Uh-huh. Where did they need to get better, Los and Otega, uh, if Oklahoma is going to improve with those two as their main players? I'll start with uh, Otega away because I think Milos is probably the more important one. Um, I'll end with him. Otega, his role kind of fluctuated a little bit last year, which I think if you if you sat down – with Porter, um, either over a couple glasses of wine or some truth serum. I think he would tell you that looking back, he would wish, and I'm putting words into his mouth. This is what just, you know, I'm saying if I had to guess with him realizing how big of a role he'd play on the team this year, I think he would tell you 
that he probably should have thrown Owe more into the fire in this in the same way that he did with Yuzan early and and just let him iron out all the kinks and figure it out probably have a little bit of a rough season because this kid was very raw great athlete very good frame for a true freshman when he walked on campus let alone once he kind of started uh you know eating a little bit better and getting through the you know a college a college weight program there with with Bryce Dobb but you know so that's point number one with Otega I think he started to get some very valuable reps in that starting position there as the season went on as a defender getting his hands on balls deflecting creating some energy, uh, attacking the basket, trying to dunk on guys. It didn't happen very often, but I remember at one of the coaches shows at Rudy's, Porter's just pleased with somebody that is willing to go do that, willing to go get to the foul line. For Otega, to answer your question, moving into year number two for him, which I think it was huge that they were able to keep him because he's a good kid, a good teammate, uh, and kind of can be the leader of the, the defensive uh, effort there for for Porter, which is, you know, Porter's MO. He wants guys that are going to be able to do that. Uh, just getting a lot of shots up. He's going to have to um, be comfortable being open and taking shots, even if he knows, you know, he's, he's not going to be a 35, 38% three-point shooter. Could he get up over 30, 32 and make enough that, that, you know, not saying they still won't, you know, defenses still won't leave him open most of the time. Um, but just enough to be able to create a little bit of thought in defenders' minds to be able to allow him to then put the ball on the floor, get to the basket, which we know he can really with this last year without even really having the threat to shoot. Uh, and then also his ball handling. That needed to tighten up quite a bit. As I mentioned, he was raw. <laughs> Excuse me. But with that athleticism, you don't want your ball handling ability to be the hindrance to you getting where you want to or can get to on the floor based off of your just your talent. And that's those are probably the two biggest uh, areas there for, for Otega. Really excited for him. I think he's got uh, some really good basketball ahead of him. Milos, about, man. No, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, what about for Los Yuzan? Because yep. you, you mentioned it. He got, he got out there a lot sooner than Otega did last year. I probably saw more flashes yep. from him, but mm -hmm. there are still some things he needs to clean up, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, you know, the interesting thing about him, I think it's going to be, he, he showed a he showed a really good ability to, to handle the ball, to handle defensive pressures, uh, to, to, to pass the ball, to set guys up. He's, I mean, Porter calls him, I mean, I've, I've heard him say it multiple times, an elite passer, which I think if you, you know, Sooner fans, if you're just looking back at last year on, on the face of it, that, that probably didn't jump out at you, that he's an elite passer. Now, call that roster construction, call that offensive scheme, uh, call it whatever you want to call it. But he's a guy where, you know, if it, the defense, the defensive level and intensity picks up uh, and, and performance across the whole team picks up uh, a good amount, which I expect it to. And Porter has talked about that needing to happen. He's a guy that all of a sudden in transition and in some of those in-between moments, he becomes a very, very, very dangerous, dangerous player. I think he's a very good shooter, too. He shot a good percentage last year to play with a player like Grant Sherfield, who's a high-volume shooter, a good shooter, a good scorer. Uh, I think Oklahoma will miss Sherfield in some ways. I am excited about JV and McCollum. But I think Milo's probably spent all of last year never quite 
figuring out when is when is it right for me to shoot or get aggressive to to score for my team and when is it right for me to try to set up Tanner Groves or to let Sherfield kind of do his thing uh which Sherfield was going through his own problems of working off the ball more often allowing Milos to be handling the ball and I think almost in a way although it was good for Yuzan to have that full almost full year of being in the starting lineup I think it's going to look a lot different this year than it did last year as far as his role goes just being a leader on this team and Porter tried you know time and again to say hey Milos I know it's I know it's hard to come in as a true freshman and to truly feel this but you have the green light to decision make shoot it when you think you need to you know pass it when you think you need to don't you know don't second guess and that's not something you can just tell a kid how to do. It's a feel thing. It's There's a dynamic to the roster, to all the different roles that play into the starting lineup and the second unit, if he's ever playing with them. Uh, but I think that alone will be a massive, massive improvement in Milos' game of just knowing, hey, I am our, I am our dominant ball creator. Yes, Javian McCollum's going to be there to help me out with that. But, but we run through me, and I think a whole offseason – with that notion in mind, uh, you'll see right from the start probably a, a much more confident, uh, a higher volume shooter. I would hope because he, like I said, he can really he can really fill it up uh, when he wants to, uh, and I think Oklahoma will be a lot better off because of that. All right, have you ever done sales before? A little bit, yes. Okay, okay. So you might be good at this. I want I want you to imagine uh, you just knocked on my door. I opened the door. And you said, hey, I would like to sell you on the fact that Oklahoma is going to make the tournament this year. Yep. Porter Moser is going to lead Oklahoma to the tournament. What does that look like? Give me your sales pitch. Yeah, so obviously adding, we're adding new teams into the conference. Uh, Houston's very good. Uh, a couple of the others, we'll see, you know, Oklahoma only getting them wants either home and away for the most part. I think Cincinnati, they're getting twice. But for the most part, I think, you know, let, let's let's think of this conference slate as, as we have before. Let's not worry about Houston too much. We know they're going to be at the top of the conference. That's just probably one, one more team that Oklahoma has to worry about. So let's kind of set that aside. Five and 13 last year. There was a roster that, that yes, Porter constructed through the portal, but almost uh, more so by, uh, by out, of, out of necessity as opposed to handpicking. And when you talk about guys this year like Jalen Moore, like John Hughley, who Porter's very excited about as a guy who can, number one, eat up some space on the inside and create a physicality in there that that many Big 12 teams won't be able to deal with very well. Uh, and, and it'll be kind of what Oklahoma experienced with, with Tanner Groves inside uh, previously with other teams who had physicality. It's hard to deal with. Foul trouble comes along with that. How many times was Tanner Groves in foul trouble? Hughley will need to stay out of foul trouble, obviously. But I think they will, uh, especially with Northweather and Sam Godwin, I think their depth at the five spot is about as good as it's been in, in many, many years uh, back to the Kruger days. And, and I'm trying to even think of a, of a day of a, of a season that, that could be close with those three all being playable guys uh, that, that you'd be happy with any of them playing 25 minutes in a game. Milo Suzanne taking the next step. 
Otega Owe taking a giant step, I think, moving from the raw player that he was last year. Adding in Latre Darthard as a three-point shooting and a defensive juggernaut. I mean, a big-time defender. Porter simply this year, he's talked about it over and over again, it's the, it's the quote, competitive depth of the football offseason. Length and athleticism for Porter. And if you look back to his Loyola teams, he was good and had um, had tournament runs and consistency there at Loyola of Chicago because of his ability to, to develop players. And I, I do believe that he can do that uh, with some of the best coaches out there. I do think he can coach with some of the best coaches out there. Yes, there's more turnover this year, but they're in spots that are not going to be starting 35-minute-a-game guys like Tanner Groves was, like Grant Sherfield was. And I think there's enough coming back this year and enough of a culture in place where I think you see Oklahoma more at that 500 level kind of as a floor uh, in conference slate and hopefully some good out-of-conference wins to, to tack on to that, whether that be the SEC Challenge, the game in Tulsa against Arkansas. Those are going to be important games for this team. But I think that the, the foundation is there to, to, to chalk off five or six more wins like we talked about that were many times were close games that they just could not figure out how to win uh, last year. I think they're going to be better off in a good majority of those ones this year. All right, before we get out of here, Tyler, I got some rapid fire for you. So we're going to do 30 to 60 seconds on these answers. So you're going to have to be measured in your words because some of them are going to be kind of loaded questions. All right. And I'm going to start with the first one. Oklahoma to the SEC, we talk about it a lot in football. What are your thoughts on Oklahoma to the SEC in basketball? I think a lot of opportunity. Uh, if you look back at the SEC, people think Kentucky, uh, you know, as kind of the juggernaut there. But look at the, la- the the winners of that conference recently. It's been a different team almost every year for five years. Am I expecting Oklahoma to go in and win the conference right away in the first year or two or three? No, not necessarily. But it's more of a talent-laden, uh, less of a well-coached program and team conference. I think Oklahoma fits fits in in, in, a, in a pretty good way in that conference, starting off pretty quick. Okay, let's go to your favorite Bedlam memory. This is being recorded before the football game. Bedlam basketball maybe not over forever, but what's your favorite Bedlam memory as a player, Tyler Neal? Um. I, I actually generally played well against Oklahoma State. It's funny that that, that happens. I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, I'm sure the, the box score from the football game this past weekend, whatever that ends up being, will show you that in football as well for guys like Drake Stoops, you know, Trace Ford, these Oklahoma kids. Uh, I remember having about a 14 or 15-point effort against Oklahoma State at home. Uh, the Marcus Smart teams had a big and one late in the game that, that – you know, it was a good crowd in there, and that's just always a memory I'll take. Uh, but in general, over the over the span of my last two years, uh, we went undefeated against Oklahoma State over my junior and senior years, our tournament team. So uh, that's that's pretty precious to me as well. Tyler Neal, Putnam City West, uh, Oklahoma Preps has a really rich history of good high school basketball players. Who's the best player you played against in high school? Looking back. Uh, I always say, just in high school, not AAU, right? Yes. I always say it's Xavier Henry, Putnam City original. I was one year behind him. 
uh, finally got out kind of under his shadow my senior year, my, me and my teammate, Amrick Fields, and, and our team there, our senior year. Uh, but it, it's Xavier, 6'6", six, six, shoot the cover off of it. Uh, looking back, he seemed like a better athlete than he really was just because he was so physically developed and I wasn't quite being a year behind him, nor was I if I were his same age uh, at the time. But it, it's Xavier. He could, he could fill it up, and we, we never quite beat them when he was there. But we did take them to overtime on their floor my junior year, his senior year, and that would have been pretty sweet. I'm old enough to have called games that his brother played in. Uh, yep. He was a really good player as well, yep. CJ. Uh, Fellow okay, Jayhawk. Uh, you mentioned AAU. Who's the best player you played against in AAU or in college? Um, I mean, let's college. If we're throwing college into that, it's going to be pretty easy. It's going to be uh, Joel Embiid at Kansas, uh, even as a freshman there. Just so raw and nowhere near as as physically developed as he's become, but just the length and the athleticism and the potential that he showed at that age was really, really hard to deal with. And I honestly did not see his his finesse game, his touch, his free throw shooting percentage, his three-point shooting. I did not see those things developing at all, let alone as fast as they did, getting him to an MVP level. That's a really easy answer. Uh, quick honorable mentions, though, Andrew Wiggins, unfortunately on the same team. Uh, Tristan Thompson was always tough at Texas in his year there. Perry Jones was a real uh, problem in college. Thunder 6'11". Legend. Just, yep, that's right. Thunder legend, P- PJ3. Uh, so those are a few for sure. Okay, last one for you, and this is, you ever gone to like a school board meeting or a city council meeting? I have not. Okay, so I've I've had the pleasure of speaking at a school board meeting one time, like okay. when it's, you know, you get the 60 seconds. So let's pretend you are at the Norman City Council. You have 60 seconds to propose what you want a new OU basketball arena to look like. You can tell me where you want it, okay. how many seats you want. You got 60 seconds. Tell me what you want the new arena to look like, Tyler. All right, it's it's going to be uh, 8,500, 9,000 seats is what I want to see, uh, maybe 10 tops. It's going to be in North Norman to make it a little bit easier on the Oklahoma City uh, contingent of, of, the, of the fan base. It's going to have an aspect of, um, you know, shops, restaurants, kind of uh, an outdoor concourse feel to it as you walk into the to the arena. Uh, and, and I think that's all I would say just to, to help sell the need for it though. There are some big 12 arenas, uh, that have, or sorry, some big 12 programs, current big 12 programs that have built two in the time that the Lloyd Noble center has been built. And I think that's really, that's just unacceptable for, for a program of, of Oklahoma stature, uh, love Lloyd Noble to death, um, played four years in there. And won't ever forget those memories, but but it's time, and and those are those are some of the amenities I would be after. I would just say I live down here in South Moore now, North Norman, and I know mm-hmm. it's not popular down here, but if a turnpike ever goes in around here, that's only going to make it easier Absolutely. for fans to get to a North Norman stadium. Absolutely, Tyler, I appreciate it so much. Thank you for joining me on the that's Todd. Fine, man. Tell everybody about what you have going on, and uh, you know your show on the franchise. This is your time to talk about yourself a little bit go for sure it. yeah um yeah your your sellout crowd 
uh, a move, you know, open up an opportunity for me and Matt Burton to join uh, forces there on the franchise afternoon show. Very uh, original show name, I know. We're we're knocking around some ideas there over time, but yeah, we're we're two basketball guys that grew up really loving uh, football and and feel like we you know we do a pretty good job with without the football background of, of covering the football team and, and have this year. We're on from three to six. Like Todd said, 1077, the franchise, Mondays through Fridays, and uh, really excited with basketball season kicking off, not only for, for college, but, but Thunder. Um, we really feel good about our, our Thunder coverage at 1077, the franchise with pregame shows, postgame shows, and, and hope you'll check Matt Burton and I out as, as that basketball season gets going. I think you'll really enjoy uh, kind of the way we're able with, with some basketball experience to, to uh, talk about those teams on a daily basis. Do you and Matt like soccer by any chance? Oh yeah. Let's not talk team? about anything that happened this, this, uh, two weekends ago, if this is coming do you out have next a favorite weekend. Team? Is it, is it <laughs> I do. Uh, I'm looking at two scarves actually up here. Manchester United is my team. Uh, one of the most historic sports mm-hmm. teams in, in world sports, global sports, yeah. regardless, yeah. regardless of sport, having a rough 10 or 11 years here, since our legendary coach uh, stepped away, but still love him nonetheless. And, and uh, def- you know, perspective is being given on just how good it once was uh, because it, it's, it's rough sometimes these days. And, and good just, for you that to, you're getting a good feel for what that's like. I just had to give you a hard time and remind you that this place is blue. <laughs> blue. It sure uh, is right now. I, can't, I cannot uh, disagree with that. Tyler, I really do appreciate it. Uh, if you're out there and this is your first time to listen to the Todd Pod, go subscribe to us on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Leave a review if you enjoyed it. If you hated it, I'd hate for you to leave a review and like and subscribe as well. So uh, be sure and come back next time. Big thanks to Jacqueline Musgrove, my producer, Michael Lane, the creative director, and for Tyler Neal, I'm Todd Lizenby, and you've been listening to the Todd Pod. Todd Pod.